This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Welcome, everybody. It's Wyman and Bob. It is Seattle Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com. I hope everybody's having a great Monday. For those of you that uh, have made it out of the house, maybe some people are still hanging around, recovering from Super Bowl Sunday. I'd love to know what the attendance is like today or how many people requested today as a vacation day. (laughs) I wonder if our normal audience is out and about, or do you think most of them are at home laying on a couch going, oh, I overdid it. Yeah, I think there is a lot of that, and there's something to uh, getting the uh, national holiday post-Super Bowl. We know that the NFL is taking over the world pretty oh, much. Yeah. And so I, I'm sure they can get that done yeah, at some point. Just push a button here, make a call here. They, they've got that kind of leverage, that kind of power. So you think everybody was just throwing down gut bombs? Not yesterday? everybody, but what about I think you? a lot of No, no, I was there with Frank, man. He and I were hanging out. Watch, he was crashed. I was just... Watching the game, taking notes and enjoying it, yeah, and able to focus without anybody, yeah, 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 in your ears or noise or any of that, or, yeah. So it's perfect. It was great. Plus, it was lousy outside. It was perfect day to be inside watching a watching a Super Bowl. Yeah, it it absolutely was. About, I, did I get, you get the the nachos that were completely perfect and evenly distributed with meat and cheese and yes, all I the did. toppings. I did, and my wife used a uh, a chip that was a little bit sturdier. You know, okay. it's a special the weight of all brand. The yeah, <laughs> I took a couple of pictures, but she had already put the cheese on. But you could see the distribution of tomato, avocado, uh, hamburger. Oh wait, the cheese covers all of it. Yeah, and then the oh, cheese goes over the top. Okay. So, and I took Keeps a picture there. Place. I got it for you. I'll show it to you at the break. But uh, yeah, that, there was that. There was the little Smokies made an appearance, of course. Yeah, yeah. And it was just you and Shannon and Hoover. Yep, yep. Hoover insists on laying on the couch upstairs, which we try not to have him do. But once he starts going up there, I'm just just let he's him allowed. go. He's, he's fine. Allowed. He should be able yeah. to do whatever he wants. But the do. thing he doesn't like is screaming and yelling. And so a couple of times I had to call him back from going down the stairs. So. Ringing the bell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dad's so, but, upset. I'm leaving. I don't know. That was, I mean, look, it goes into overtime. I mean, you can't complain about that. I mean, that's, if you don't care, and we're kind of in that category, right? I mean, mostly we wanted the 49ers to feel pain. Yes. And we accomplished that. Yeah, it was delightful. Yeah. And a number of their, uh, including, you know, and I get a lot of crap. Everybody's like, oh, Stanford go, you don't know this. The guy from Yale or is it Harvard? Use check. I think he's a Yale guy. Mm. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't know the overtime rules, so that it was different. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that. I feel like that's as far as what the players knew and didn't know. I feel is being overblown a bit. I do because too. I don't think it matters. You just they're go not play calling, exactly right. They're not calling <laughs> the plays. They're not. Right. They're not out there deciding whether you're, they're going to receive or defer. That's all the coaches. I mean, yeah, it'd be good if they're up to speed, but I don't think it impacted what you saw on the field because are they? Is there going to be a different level of effort? Because oh, well, now we understand the rules, so let me play it this way now. Uh, we would have done things totally differently. Yeah, so I wouldn't have tried to pick up that first down. Exactly or, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll get we'll get into that uh, coming up. Uh, Rustin Dodd, the athletic and of the athletic. Athletic and author of a book on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs called uh, Kingdom Quarterback. He's going to join us at 3 o'clock. We'll talk about the majesty of Patrick Mahomes. And Richard Deitch will join us at uh, 4.30. as a sports media writer for The Athletic and host of uh, the Sports Media Podcast. So we can 
just talk about the the monstrosity that is the NFL, the ratings for the Super Bowl. It's just it it just grows and grows and grows, Dave. It's amazing. But what what ended up, I don't know. I don't know how you felt at halftime. I was kind of like, eh. Is yeah. this kind of a limp? I mean, defenses were dominating. These are two good dudes. The 49ers played defense like they did in the regular season. They didn't play like they did in these playoff games where we're going, man, they're running all over them, and they don't look like the same defense. And we we talked a ton about, you know, guys jogging out there and everything. It was a defensive battle in the first half, but what struck me was, A, the 49ers look like they did in the regular season defensively. B, that crowd, we talked about Super Bowl crowds. We talked about how it's just a different vibe out there. It's a little quiet, except for that Seahawks game in in uh, New York. And you got it in this game. It was so quiet, especially when the 49ers were at the line of scrimmage. I was just noticing you could hear every check at the line. You could hear every, you know, back and forth between players. And they weren't screaming. You could just hear it. It was, it was just, it was interesting how muted it was. I don't know if you noticed that it was a little louder when the Chiefs were on offense. But when the 49ers were on offense, you could hear a pin drop in there. Well, maybe I didn't notice it just because of what what you've said, and and that's that. I mean, who can go to the Super Bowl? The normal fans that scream and yell and are like the blue collar guys that support their team. I mean, you got to fly to Vegas. You got to, and now you see that the, the tickets are five thousand, six thousand yeah. dollars. And you know, and I'm looking at some of these people. And like, I was just kind of scanning the crowd, going, "That guy paid six thousand dollars for that seat right there, really." You know, so I was probably way up in the nosebleeds. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that 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 part's always been kind of the case. But you're right. I mean, we got the maybe that's what also made Super Bowl 48 so great. Obviously, winning it is a big deal. But it was just so cool having, you know, the, the fans involved that much. And this just yeah, it's most Super Bowls are kind of that way. Very quiet. Well, what do you think of the first half? Just <clears throat> the, the action or. Maybe lack thereof. I guess I, I thought that it was two really well coached defenses going at it. I mean, look, they, you know, the Niners had what, 189 yards and the Chiefs had 157. I mean, so. And both quarterbacks had exactly 123 passing yards at yeah. the half. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting was, little phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just felt like it was two really well-coached defenses that were, you know, and, and a lot of the the other thing is there was a lot of guys that weren't like your main guys that were making were making plays, mm-hmm. you know, especially on defense. I mean, you saw that guy, Chanel, the, uh, was a defensive lineman or a linebacker for Kansas City made a couple of plays. I mean, there was, it seemed like everybody, I mean, I thought, and we'll get to it, Chris Jones, I thought he was absolutely phenomenal, but he, you know, Especially when he's not blocked. Yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't, you know, it's not like he gets a ton of credit. He didn't have big numbers, but he just it just seemed like he was always there. Yeah, he was a presence. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, that's kind of what I thought about. You know, I felt like they were kind of sizing each other up, kind of like a heavyweight fight, you know, yeah. just kind of see what, you know, what we can get away with and then thought, okay, things are going to turn loose a little bit in the second half. Well, and it ultimately we'll go through the details of the game, but it just – it ends with a, a Chiefs victory, which we were both hoping for and both predicted. And and uh, the, I guess the dynasty conversation begins on the heels of this. First and goal. Mahomes flings it. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! Kansas City! This was the Andy Reid special. We talked about he was saving all day. He's going to fake a motion to go across. And at that moment, he turns and goes back. Hartman, who they didn't have, right? 
and they go get Hardman and bring him back, and the game-winning drive of Mahomes' career, he's been waiting for, he's won Super Bowls, but he's never had it in an overtime. He is the best, he is the standard, and Michael Jordan wins it again. Pretty unbelievable, and Hardman was pretty funny after the game. I don't know if you saw that, but they up on the podium, you know, with the big presentation, they had some about that play. He's like, yeah, I don't know. I blacked out after I caught the ball. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was very funny, but then you had Patrick Mahomes on, the, you know, the final play, and the, it's the same one as they hit on uh, versus the Eagles last year, he said. Uh, the, the call is different, but it's like the same exact motion as Corndog, and we brought it back at the right time. Coach Reza, he's a legend, man. He'll do that. I love that, that they call voice. it corn dog, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was just. I, I see that we don't we don't have what's bugging Bob today. Is that right? No. Yep. Are we going to every month? We're going to get to it. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll wait then. I'll wait then. I thought Tony Romo mostly did a good job though, and you know I thought the way he explained that little fake motion. It's so simple. But it's so brilliant because as a defender, you see the guy going in motion and you're like, okay, I'm checking that guy off. Now your eyes go somewhere else. And then he stops and turns back the other way and he's wide open. Mm -hmm. And it was just a brilliant concept, uh, but it's something that was very simple. And I thought the way Tony Romo described it was was really cool, the way he kind of took you through it. But yeah, that's that's corndog for you. And I just think that's <laughs> that is such a I don't know, it's just such a basic like let's go in fake motion. Well that's that's basically what it is. Um, except he just sprints hard to the outside and they saw something probably where the 49er defense just kind of checks him off when you know uh, when when that happens and all of a sudden you forget about him he kind of gets lost so really really brilliant play yeah it was uh, it was fascinating to see and I loved you know I don't know if you saw any of the post game interviews with Andy Reid he's he's a likable guy man I, he just is again one of those guys if you don't like him you're probably the problem yeah uh, just a nice guy but he, he I wonder if him being that nice guy sort of precludes him from being in that conversation of the greatest coaches ever. That he's kind of a character almost, him in the commercials, and he's very affable and very self-deprecating. And and you realize this is this is a guy with three Super Bowl titles. He went to, was it five years in a row, they went to the NFC title game with the, with the Eagles. Yeah. This guy's been a damn good coach. Damn good coach. He's not winning the Super Bowl every year. But shouldn't he be in that conversation? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, we were talking all about Patrick Mahomes and whether or not he's the same as Tom Brady. And, you know, it's just a matter of time with him. Can he continue to do that? Because, you know, somebody that is in the league as long as Tom Brady, I mean, that's that's another talent, you know, of staying healthy and knowing how to take care of your body and knowing how to, you know, grow with the offenses in the NFL and just not getting hurt, not taking hits, things like that. But, you know, you look at uh, – or um, if you look at uh, Andy Reid, he he's just very nondescript, kind of quiet. He doesn't really make a, a big. I think the funniest thing about him probably is that picture of him when he was a teenager, <laughs> standing in the punt, pass, and kick. Was he a teen? He was twelve, wasn't he? Was he even a teen? I think <laughs> he was twelve. Not. Maybe not. I don't know. The kid next to him looked like he was eight, and he looked like he was. 39. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he maybe that's that's a discussion that we're going to start to talk about because I think him and Spagnolo is one of the first guys that he hugged afterwards. Both of those guys are just sort of old guys that are quiet. They've been around the league for a really long time. And, and we'll get to the Kelsey thing, but like he just kind of just 
you never see him get too angry. He never, he never gets too high, too low. He's very consistent. And yeah, I think he should be talked about uh, in, the, you know, in that same air as guys like Bill Belichick. Yeah, it was. Is there one thing, and I think Andy deserves all the credit in the world, and probably more than he actually gets. But is there? What's the biggest reason the Chiefs won this game? Is there one thing you can isolate? Um, I know there's never just one thing in a game. There's a bunch of things that you could point to and go, "Well, if this was different, or if that were different." But was it their defense? Was it their secondary? That's what stood out to me is McDuffie and Sneed. Those guys are good, and the Forty Niners kept going at them, which. Kind of surprised me that yeah. they kept going at those guys, and they kept making plays yeah. on good passes, good balls, and they were right there. I, I don't know that they their defense, their secondary in particular, stuck out to me. Yeah, I think what stood out to me was that there were lots of non big name guys making plays. You know, it just plug the next guy in, coach him up. Um, it doesn't matter if he is the, the best athlete in the world that he, you know, I mean, you look at like Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, those two guys, you see the one tackle Warner had where I can't remember who he hit, but he just killed him. And he, he's flying around, you know, you see the same thing from Greenlaw, but then you start looking at, you know, the, the Chiefs and their players and just some guys that aren't like household names that like Karloftis, you mm-hmm. know, or Chanel, I mentioned earlier, Nick Bolton is not like a big time, you know, consummate pro bowler, um, Reed defensive back, um, Edwards. I mean, they just, you know, there's another guy, Pinnell. I had not even, I had not even considered that guy. Uh, and he had six tackles. So it just, what stood out to me was that, you know, they're very well coached and they just plug the next guy in and they do their job. So that, that to me was, was kind of, you know, the number of, of plays where you saw guys where you kind of had to look up, go, wait, who's number 83? Oh yeah, that's their tight end. So yeah, it was, uh, that, that was the part I, I felt like both, those are probably I think they're the two best coaches in the league. You could say Mike McDonald with his uh, defensive yeah. you know, uh, expertise there. But these two guys going at each other, I thought it was a real coach's battle. What, what did they do to the tight ends, both coaches? Yeah. Because you look at Travis Kelsey ended the game with nine catches on 10 targets, 93 yards. Pretty solid day. He, at the half, had one catch, one yard. And then Kittle, on the day, two catches, four yards, three targets, zero yards in the first half and to me that was part of that secondary of 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 the uh of the chiefs but what i mean Mm -hmm. both tight ends you're talking about the two best tight ends or best two of three you want to throw mark andrews in there okay but you're talking about two of the great tight ends in all of football being relegated in that first half to just they were ghosts you didn't even know they were out there i know same thing with with kittle i mean you heard jennings more than you did kittle yeah and uh yeah i they just took them away and just made sure to pay special attention to them saw a couple plays where you see guys running with either kelsey or kittle and yeah i you know what before the game i was thinking you know what what i think would be like if i was standing in a betting line like maybe take kittle as mvp i thought he might be a huge part of this game and they took him away kelsey in the first half and he was frustrated about that yeah he was we'll get into his interaction with uh with andy reed on the sideline and all that but you brought this up in the open the overtime decision now kyle shanahan is taking a beating for this uh so the playoff overtime rules changed before last season of 2022 uh, but no games went to overtime before the Super Bowl, so this was the first time it was used. So it was new right. to a lot of people. Now we we talked about you know um, players not knowing, and we'll play this cut here. Like this is Kyle Uzcheck after the game talking about 
how he didn't know the new overtime rules. You know what? I didn't even realize that the the playoff rules were different in overtime. So I I assumed you just want the ball because you score a touchdown and win. But I guess that's not the case. Um, so I don't really I don't totally know the strategy there. No. No, we haven't talked about it. No. Eric Armstead, same thing. I didn't even know about the new overtime, uh, playoff overtime rule, so it was a surprise to me. So I, I get it. You're you're looking at you're an NFL player. This is the biggest game of your life. How do you not know this? And and they probably should know it. You would hope the coaching staff would talk to these guys about you know here's how we're going to manage the clock in this situation. Here's how we're going to approach it. But in the end, did it did it alter the outcome in terms of them knowing it? What? What would be the difference if they knew the rules versus them not knowing it? Would they have played differently? Would they have yeah. played with more intensity, less intensity? Would they have tried? Because they're not calling the plays. They would have won the game if these guys had known, Bob. <laughs> yeah, so I get I get the yeah. credit. And we'll get into Shanahan's role and what he should have done versus what he did. But in terms of just the players, because this seems to be a big talking point, which I'm going, okay, I get it. Yeah, you're. how do the players not know? But in the end, what's the difference? Yeah, I, there is none. There really isn't. I mean, unless, uh, I don't know, I guess you could have maybe stepped out of bounds or something if he hadn't, you know, if he had known the rules and maybe that would have hurt him. I don't know. I, there was, there to me, there was nothing that would have affected you. And that's why I was surprised at the end of the game. I thought these guys were pretty honest. Because if somebody would have asked me afterwards, I'd have said, yeah, I knew. That wasn't the difference, though. They beat us. <laughs> oh, of course I knew. What are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, and these guys were honest about it, but then you start your mind starts to go like, well, would that really have mattered? Would they have done anything differently? Probably not. Yeah. It'd like, be different if they're calling plays or if Purdy didn't know the rules and he's checking at the line, making different calls based yeah. on thinking, well, if we score a touchdown first, game's over. But that wasn't what happened. It wasn't. It, I just kind of looked at it like, okay, I get it. It is it's fair talking point, but I'm not looking at it going, well, that, look at this. This team doesn't even know the rules. That's why they lost. Well, that's, no, that's actually not the case. You know what's interesting about that? I uh, Those guys went higher in, as far as esteem goes, in my mind, just because they were open about it and were like, yeah, we really didn't. There's lots of things. Like, you know, I've talked about how – we sit there and look at the rankings and where people are, you know, their offense does this, their running game does this, they're ranked number seven, blah, blah, blah. These guys don't know that stuff. Yeah. It's just like, this is my assignment. This is what I'm supposed to take on. Now, if Brock Purdy comes out and says that, or Patrick Mahomes, now we got a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. Or the coaches. <laughs> if they came <laughs> out and said, oh, you know problem. what? I totally caught... Uh, you know, by surprise. Yeah, we'll we'll talk more about that uh, deeper into the show. So stay tuned for all of that. Uh, but right now, let's take two. Well, UCLA named Deshaun Foster as their new head coach. He was a running back there. But the interesting part is he had just accepted the position of running back coach with the Raiders 10 days ago. Yeah, a lot of this going on, guys stepping up saying, hey, proud to be your new head coach or your new running back coach or your new offensive coordinator. And then days later, they're in a different spot. Yeah. Well, Deshaun Foster. Yeah. I mean, he went from we've been talking about this. He was running back coach with the Raiders. And then now he's stepping down. He's going to college. But from running back co uh, coach to head coach. Yeah. That's a step up. It's kind of kind of a little bit different. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily blame him. I just think it's interesting. We saw what we saw with Grubb, and we'll get into that. And now you yeah. see this where he's accepted the position and was like, oh, hang on. I'm going to go ahead and take a left turn and go here. Yeah, well, I, I think what will come out of this is people are going to say, well, whether it's college or pros, it's still ball. Bob, they're still coaching ball. Are they? I don't really know ball. So.
Well, after a long layoff, the Kraken lost the Flyers on Saturday, and now they have a back-to-back beginning tonight at the Devils before a game against the Islanders tomorrow. And, you know, they had to close the gap a little bit, but now they're currently six points out of a playoff spot. This is disappointing. I think everybody expected last year was that building block. They took that huge step. They win in the playoffs, and, oh, man, can't wait till next year. They got this experience under their belt. And they had that nice winning streak, but outside of that, this has been a disappointing season. What's our status on our guy, Matty Beneers? Uh, we'll have to ask John Morosi. I mean, he's there. He's playing, but he's yeah. he's not playing great. No. yeah, Some I'm, nagging injuries, I think. When Is you it, watch him, can you tell that, like, no. he's... Me? No, I can't tell. Can you tell no. if it's upper or lower injury? Is he favoring his upper half or his lower half? I could tell after they get hit if it's going to be an upper or lower body <laughs> yeah, injury. Yeah, see him reach for that area. Well, you know what's interesting, actually, is maybe this sums up the state of Seattle sports last year. So the Seattle Sports Star of the Year Awards are on Thursday, and pretty much all the moments and the nominees for, like, Athlete of the Year and Moments of the Year, all college. Or, like, non-Seahawks, Mariners, really? or Kraken. It's, like, all U-Dub stuff. Oh, really? But, yes, they had an incredible season, but... You think about last year, and outside of the Kraken making the playoffs. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I guess we're... Mariners didn't go, Seahawks didn't go. Yeah. yeah. Bit of, feels, feels a little dry. A little bit of a drought there. So we look forward to the to the uh, rebound for all of our teams, and, and hopefully that'll be the case. But uh, Kraken, six points out. How many games are left, do you know, off the top of your head? Uh, let's see. Radio math. Uh-oh, this is going to go poorly. No, I don't. <laughs> Uh, Are you looking see, at the numbers? Mike doesn't even want to make a guess. He's, he's terrified of he's, radio he's, math. He's adding the wins and losses. Come on, Mike. We won't give yeah, you a hard about time. About 30-ish. 30-ish. <laughs> yeah. All right. 30-ish. So it's it's they're not out of it. But, yeah, they, you, just, you, you were hoping for much more than what you've been given to this point. Take two is brought to you by Swedish Cyberknife. Treat prostate cancer with Swedish Cyberknife. Swedish.org slash Cyberknife Prostate. Coming up, the Seahawks have an offensive coordinator, and it's a move that has repercussions for both college football and and the NFL. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Text line is there for you. 866-979-3776. Powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. I would assume most of our listeners are happy with the results. Unless we've got 49er fans listening to us. But if you're a, you consider yourself a Seahawk fan, I don't know how you would justify rooting for the 49ers. If you did, I'd love to hear it. I don't know that there's a realistic rationalization for that, but okay. I'll, I'll keep my mind open. Well, um, isn't, there, uh, isn't there more of a, a chance that the person, the team that loses the Super Bowl has a, a rough next year? Isn't that yeah. been kind of the... I guess I just don't want to count on that. On this is the trend. I'd rather they suffer the way they did. <laughs> that's immediate. That's immediate gratification for me, Dave. That, yeah. they, that they they had their I'm heart pulled out. That they they came close. I mean, an overtime Super Bowl, and they came up short. It was delightful. I'd rather have that immediate gratification than well. Let's hope, fingers crossed, that there's that uh, that next year where teams have a problem. Because so here was my wife. She. I've mentioned this before. She really loves Lisa McCaffrey. Yeah. And when we were in Denver, she was super cool, and they were friends. They'd hang out at the games and stuff like that. And then I called um, Ed McCaffrey last week to see if he could get on. He's like, he texted me on Saturday. He's like, I'm really sorry, man. It's just been incredible with all that. And I go, yeah, I can only imagine how busy you must be. Because, you know, they did a a thing. Was that it? 
Was that a halftime of the Super Bowl or before? I think it was one of the shows before, leading up to the Super Bowl. I don't know if you watched all of that, but yeah, there was, you know. So she was kind of rooting for the 49ers, and, and it was for that reason. But yeah, I was, and she kept going, no, no. And I'm like, honey, we're we're rooting against each other right now, okay? <laughs> You're going to have to go in Sorry. the other room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is not going to work. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's. It, there were elements we've talked about this a million times, and we'll we'll get to the Seahawks here in a minute. That the 49ers are harder to hate than they were. Still hate them, and I still was most definitely rooting against them, and I love the outcome. Yeah, I'm not as as satisfied as I would have been if that were Harbaugh and Crabtree and Kaepernick and Vernon Davis and that that group, Patrick yeah. Willis, just all. Ugh, and just that team I just love to hate. That's we we've talked about it a million times. That would have been so much more satisfying. But this. This was still pretty cool. I was still, yeah. I was still pretty happy with how things turned out, and, and we got a compelling game ultimately out of it, which is what we talked about. So it, it was a great day, as far as I could see. Now, as far as our beloved Seattle Seahawks, they have themselves a new offensive coordinator. It's not been confirmed yet. Um, uh, no official release, I guess, is, is a way to say it. But Mike McDonald talking with Brock and Salk today, basically saying, "Yeah, this is this is our guy, Ryan Grubb, who." Was it what day was it last week, Lefko, that we played that cut where he's uh, uh, Wednesday on National Signing Day because he was addressing all the boosters. Yeah, and, and he's like, "I'm Ryan Grubb, and I'm your offensive yeah. coordinator." Wow. So we're like, remember, we were like, "Well, I guess he's out of the mix." So now we're looking at this group over here, and then fast forward a couple days, and he's he's your offensive coordinator, and you're okay. Uh, but here's what Mike McDonald had to say about him: been on, you know, been on my radar watching, you know, his teams perform uh, throughout the season. And uh, obviously, thinking that a you know, situation like this might come about, and then uh, as getting to know him throughout the process and the type of guy he is, and you know, he's he's been a winner everywhere he's been. And I just think it speaks to his his uh, football character and things that him and Kalen have done over time. Everywhere they've gone, they've really rebuilt the culture where they've been, and, and they've won immediately. Having that type of growth mindset, being able to adapt to the players that he has in this in his scheme, and I just I disrespect about you know what his offense looks like now i don't know if you could hear him over sulk or brock's heavy breathing there but what he was talking about is uh ryan crubb <laughs> uh it's it's interesting that he what do you what do you think happened do you think they just blew him out of the water with an offer he didn't expect i mean to, to stand up in front of a group of people i don't know if they were boosters or who was at that event that we we played that, that cut from wednesday wednesday where he, i'm ryan grubb i'm your offensive coordinator here at alabama maybe it was tuesday and we heard that on wednesday but still no that's it was wednesday it, it was, was national signing day all yeah. right so wow. do you think they just came to him with an offer he couldn't refuse like whoa i didn't expect that kind of money to be attached and obviously I guess he didn't officially sign anything with Alabama. I don't. It's a weird chain of events there. It really is, and you know, and I, I'm happy for the Seahawks that they got their guy. But yeah, I'm, how do you how do you approach that? Go, man. I I know that you just you know did the whole welcome thing down in Alabama, but you know we we really really want you. And I I don't know if he was even aware of that. I don't think so. Otherwise, why would he have gone down there and been part of that whole thing? Like, maybe he said, hey, why don't I sit this one out? Things are still kind of up in the air. Yeah. It'll be interesting to hear that story and how it went. Yeah, it's, it's, I saw, you know, Coogs taking shots at him. You know, that's lame. You don't do that. You know, obviously, I get it. You know, there's there's the Husky connection. So, But if it's, 
if this weren't the Seahawks and we were watching this from afar and say it was, I don't know, the Commanders or any other team that we didn't really have a vested interest in, would we be looking at it going, man, that's kind of cheap. You know, you don't do that. You don't tell them, hey, I'm here. I'm your offensive coordinator. Then two days, three days later say, ah, peace out. There's This is a better situation over here. Or we'd be going, well, college football is business. The NFL is business. It's all business now. There is no true loyalty, I guess, or your, your word doesn't carry as much weight as the the contract offer you didn't expect yeah well i, I i'm kind of gonna draw parallels with remember when joshy boy uh, committed to being the uh the coach of the baltimore or, i'm sorry the uh, indianapolis colts say that again remember when when he would he committed to be the the head coach of the Colts and every, and then he pulled out of it because, you know, um, Belichick said, Hey, I really want you here. He hadn't signed anything yet. Like the whole thing I think was like an understanding and a handshake deal. But, uh, and I remember John Clayton being really upset uh, at Joshy boy. And that's when he started calling him that because he said, well, you know, it was his word and everything. I'm like, okay, but he didn't have his pen to paper yet. And if all of a sudden, and what if this happened to you, John? <laughs> I was like, you know, t- laying all of the different scenarios on him, like three times the amount of pay, plus you get this and plus you get that. I mean, if you haven't signed the paper, then technically you're not you're not a coach there yet, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would give him a break. I don't think that that's anything uh, that doesn't go on a lot of times. Uh, I think it's fairly common, but... This is this is one where it's you know you kind of when you do the whole welcome thing at, at Alabama and you're you know you're there saying hey I'm going to be your offensive coordinator I get that why people would be you know upset about it but business is business yeah most of the people I saw getting upset were Cougar fans <laughs> to be honest and I don't know if it was, it's my think- opportunity to say that's not a good guy he's not there for the kids he's he's all about yeah. himself and well let me ask you this what about the reaction of the Washington fans. I bet you they were happy. They they seem they, to be perfectly fine with it. They want to see, yeah, Kalen DeBoer get screwed and have to go find a new offensive yeah, coordinator. I think they really enjoyed that aspect of it. They have to ask Shannon. Dang it! Oh, you know she would have taken great delight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, there's a lot of uh, yeah. There's a lot of that. If it makes DeBoer uncomfortable or puts him in a bad spot, then I'm for it. I yeah. saw some of that, like, I don't even know if he'll be good, but I'm glad it happened kind of attitude. <laughs> I'm right? like, yeah, yeah and I, I'm glad it happened in that if this is who Mike McDonald targeted and really wanted and this is your number one guy, I'm glad he got him. And here he is just talking about how, in his opinion, Grubb knows how to adapt to his personnel and not concerned about, you know, lack of offensive balance, if you will. Yeah, initially you look at the the pass stats, you're like, man, they're chucking it all over there, to your point. But they do, they've been able to possess the ball and and be efficient in how they operate. And I think I think that's also reflective of the, of the roster that they had in Washington and be accentuate the guys that they had and, and the talent that they had. So you, that speaks to adaptability and his flexibility on how he calls it. Ryan's an O-line guy at heart, you know, and uh, I really respect that about him. And there's a lot of great play callers in this league you know, that really have a, a core identity through the offensive line. So, and I think they're run, like you look at the run numbers, they're also very efficient running the football. And so we're definitely going to be, that's going to be our, one of our core identities, being able to run the ball and, and have multiple runs, you know, have different ways to attack offenses through the run game. And uh, and those are conversations that him and I have had. And and as we build this thing out, then, um, you know, I'm sure that uh, it'll it'll look a little bit different than it did in Washington. But like to your point, a lot of the motions, the pre snap shifts, you know, that that gives defensive fits and it gives quarterback answers. And to me, that's uh, that's good for us. You know, what stands out to me is 
how much football and how much film must you watch if you're either Mike McDonald or John Schneider, whoever came up with this guy, like where you're just watching a game and you can see that like this guy is next level. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, and, you know, for those guys that they sit in dark rooms and watch film constantly, I guess maybe it's it's not that big of a deal. But that's the thing that stands out to me that, you know, you're watching Husky games and all of a sudden you're like, and whether it's Mike McDonald or John Schneider, you're like, wow. I really like this guy's offensive philosophy. You know, meanwhile, we're just kind of watching these games going, oh, man, uh, look at Adunze. Made a great catch there. You Mm -hmm. know, great throw by Penix. And that's the thing that fascinates me. And I'll be very curious to hear, you know, what it was exactly that, that, I mean, he's explaining it there a little bit. But I'm curious to hear, you know, like, why would you go to those lengths knowing that he's already signed down in Alabama or at least there and maybe not signed yet? All right, coming up, we got a hint of what's bugging Dave, but we'll find out what's bugging Bob, Matt, Lefko, everybody else. That's coming your way next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. What's bugging Bob? It could be traffic. Hey, 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 hey. It might be Angels fans. I hate you. I hate you. I don't even know you. And it's definitely Stephen A. Smith. I got a lot of problems with you people. It's time to find out what's Bugging Bob. Dave. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Mike, Matt, all of us. What's Bugging Bob is presented by Issaquah Pest Control. A reminder, coming up at 3 o'clock, Rustin Dodd of The Athletic is going to join us to talk about everything that took up, took place last night. He wrote an actual book on Patrick Mahomes, so he knows a thing or two about him. We'll get into that conversation at 3 o'clock. But uh, what's bugging us? We'll start with Dave, who I already guess gave a bit of a hint as to what's bugging you. Is it... Is our guy Tony Romo? Is that are you yeah, joining the masses just, that love to rail against the uh, broadcasters and feel like they're terrible? They don't know ball. They're against my team. But take your choice of whichever grievance you want. Well, I don't. I thought he did a good job, but it always brings it back. And I'm sorry. And I know that there's people that do this. They think it it's fine. It just bugs me. I don't know why. Guard. Oh yeah, yeah. I, caught, Stop I actually caught with that. The guarding. <laughs> And I'm sorry, I don't know anybody else that's made this argument. It's very pure. They're not called guardages. They're called coverages. That's why we call it. We call it cover one. We call it cover two, cover three. We don't call it guardage three, guardage two. They're not guarding. Guarding is for basketball. It's for basketball. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you know, Tyler Lockett, we kind of made fun of that one time. And he goes, well, I feel like when it's man to man, it's more. And I'm like, okay, I guess I can see that. Um, but it's still a basketball term. It's it's more of a recent phenomenon, right? Because when you were playing, nobody ever said, "No, I'm going to guard this guy, you guard that guy." It's right. like I, I'm covering here, you cover here. It just I, I hadn't heard it till recently in, yeah. in football term, football yeah, there, vernacular. There was an executive that used that word, and I won't you know give it away. But and then another ze- executive who was a football guy was like, "Yeah, did you hear him? He was saying guard. This isn't basketball." What's he talking about? And I don't know why that always, uh, you know, because first of all, it was Todd Lywicky. And, and you know, he was like, I was like, you're absolutely right, Todd. I, I, it's It should not be a part of the vernacular. Do you know who he was talking about? Yeah, I do. And it was somebody who was more of a basketball guy. So, yeah, I mean, and he was like, did you hear that? And I was like, he's like, he doesn't even know how to talk about football. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's the first time I ever heard that. But 
Now I think people are starting to do it just to be clever, just to say something different or have different ways. of Anyway, uh, that I, I just will... I've come to find that I'll probably never get over that. Well, I, I think that's probably me. the same thing that was bugging Matt. He hates that stuff. Oh, yeah. Well. Oh, that thing you were talking about, it drives me nuts. really <laughs> grinds my gears. Matt, quick, tell me what I was just complaining about. Uh, you said the word guard a lot. I think you like it when people say guard and not cover or something. Yeah, you right? got it flipped. That but be, you know, well, how did, that, what did that have to do with Tony Romo? Because Tony Cause was, was saying, saying that. that. But said, what else? That's it? Because you were like, oh, I kind of liked him. No, I do. I yeah. like Tony Romo. I think he does a good job. But but that one thing, it's just to me, it's unforgivable. Yeah, it indicates somebody who doesn't know ball, Mike. What's funny though <laughs> is I think your issue with Tony Romo is completely different than like most of America. What, they what don't like ever- him because he's talking through the final play. You know, he just talks too much, doesn't let the play breathe. Oh, Dave, really? because of that one specific word, and that's it. God. Yeah. No, I was fine with the, his broadcast. <laughs> Were you guys okay with it? Was he? I got to tell you, Dave. Did it bother you? I've got a gift. I have oh. this unique ability to just tune out broadcasters and they don't really register with me unless something is just out of the ordinary great or out of the ordinary bad and, and, and annoying and shrill or something like that. Otherwise, I'm just, I don't know what it is. It just kind of soaks into the background. I don't really notice it. So I don't, everybody that hates Romo or they, they hate Olsen or they hate uh, Joe Ba, whoever, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't really get it. I don't, nothing stood out to me in a negative way. I think Romo's fine. Yeah. I think he does a fine. I think he knows the game. I think he go, does a good job of, of explaining. Here's what what this guy should have done. Here's where see where this guy is. Yeah. See this opening here. I, I think he does a service to the fans. He explains the game. He he doesn't you know talk over people's heads. I think he I think he's fine. But I know I I feel like I'm in the minority there because as Lefko alluded to, there are a lot of people that have issues with him. No, you're right though. I, I do think he doesn't use a bunch of fancy terminology, and I, to me that's. That's not what the job is about. You're supposed to explain things, just like us as radio guys, right? Yeah. Uh, we're not here to use a, a bunch of different, you know, a um, bunch of coach speak. And, yeah, yeah, or like, you know, like I don't tell Matt to pot it down. I say, <laughs> could you just turn it down a little bit, right? That's that's one thing I heard early on in the radio industry. Pot it down. What the hell does pot it down mean? Turn <laughs> Nobody it down. says that. Just say turn it down. Nobody actually says that. Oh, yes, though. they do. Oh, yes, they do. And so, yeah, it's just, to me, I I like that part of it. And the thing is, he sees the game really well. I mean, he's a quarterback. Look, he, you know, I'm sure Tom Brady is going to be the same way. Remember, you know, talk about Tom Brady, how he can look at a play or be part of a play and say, hey, this guy did that, that guy did this, tell you what everybody did and why he does that. That's fine. It's just, it's just that one thing, the guard part of it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. He, uh, I, I get that he rubs people the wrong way for other reasons, but that seems to be true of just about every guy out there. Whether you're talking about Jim Nance, whether you're talking about Greg Olson, whether you're talking about Joe Book, Troy Aikman, you name it, somebody's got an issue with him. Mm-hmm. Slareth, I see him taking a lot of heat as well. I actually saw people on Twitter saying he didn't know ball, which I thought was hilarious. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. It's, that's it. always a nice fallback. You don't, yeah. you don't even know ball. Yeah, well, I guess those rings on his fingers. He lucked into all those. and somehow. Because you know a fancy term that he doesn't. Yeah, I guess. That's why he doesn't know about. Uh, what, what about uh, you, Matt? What's bugging? Did you go? You Did you elect to show up at that party you were invited to, or you did not go? I didn't. You didn't? I didn't. Did you I... even watch the Super Bowl, or were you no. watching? Were you marathoning a show? Uh, oh, what did I watch? I played a video game yesterday, actually. <laughs> I didn't even watch something. I did something even more useless For than how watching long? TV. For how long? Too long. A couple hours. <laughs> wow. 
So this was any other weekend to you. You're just like, yeah, Sunday, yeah, whatever. It was. <laughs> Made a few, ran a few errands during the game because no one in oh, Seattle was about. That yeah. was really great. It's a good move. Yeah. It's a good move. It was great. If you're not yeah. a football fan, yeah, go run your errands, go shopping, oh, go do all that you, stuff. You had the whole world to yourself. Yeah. I went to the uh, indoor sun shop over in Fremont. It's this really cool plant store. Normally on Sundays, did you impossible check to get with around. Dave to say, hey, I'm going to a plant store. I could get you a plant to replace uh, whatever you were looking no, for. No, because Matt was probably going to buy weed or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was doing. <laughs> a weed plant. That That's what I was doing. <laughs> Dave's if I already got that plant. He doesn't need that. If I, I would have had Dave come with me, I would have come home with a fake plant. And I wanted a real one that I could <laughs> actually rubber out. plants. There we go. <laughs> nice. That's the way to bring it full circle. What, what about you, you listening Lefko? to the show. I don't really know where to go from there. Uh, no, just the standard drivers. It's always drivers. It's always drivers. Well, today, so... Maybe it's you. No, I know it's not me. Uh, when you merge, you know, onto a road, usually if someone's in that lane, if there's room to move over, you move over. But many a time here, people are just cruising along in the right lane, uh, not paying attention to anything. I've watched. There'd be plenty of room on the left side. Trying to merge, and you wait and see, hey, am I going to get into a crash today because they're not paying attention? So yeah. that happened this morning. Like when you merge onto the Ballard Bridge, there's really no room to kind of wait. You just you get, you're going. Yeah. And so if there's a car coming, you think, hey, look, there's a wide swath of other lane to get into. Probably should get over there. No, these cars just keep going. <laughs> so that happened today. Yeah, that's the, the merging thing is a unique skill out here. Apparently, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know why. You know, the one I hate. Now we'll we'll move on here. But on Saturday. I was getting ready to go off. I was on the West Seattle Bridge, and I was getting ready to exit. Mm-hmm. And there's probably about a car length between me and the car in front of me. But behind me, probably about 10 car lengths, it was open. Mm-hmm. But instead, a car speeds up next to me to get in between the front of my car and the car in front of me, where there's you know very limited space versus... You couldn't just go one car length behind me and have this ocean of space to yourself. You had to speed up, put the blinker on, start trying to force your way in between us. You wouldn't have missed the exit. You were you had an ocean of space there, yet you, you felt it was necessary to speed up and sort of nudge in between me and the car in front of me. That I find that an odd choice that I've seen made of more than a few times. That was their target, and they were going to stick with it. No kind of. What. I'm looking in the rear view going, there, I can barely see the car behind me. That's how much room there is, but you want to... You want to try to just nudge and force your way in here where there's, you know, maybe a car length and a half, perhaps? That's that's a little obnoxious. You know what? Do you ever, uh, sorry, really quick, do you ever uh, see, like, somebody driving and you're like, I, I like this person and I'm going to get behind them because they're driving efficiently? Oh, yeah, yeah. I had that happen this morning. Oh, I'm yeah. like, I don't care if you go faster than me. I'll, I'll get behind you and yeah. you get the ticket. They're going to clear the path. Exactly. It's, uh, yeah, I do that a lot. That's a good move. All right, coming up, he literally wrote the book on Patrick Mahomes and Rustin Dodd of The Athletic will join us to talk all about last night. That's coming up next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.